Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. Thank you for tuning in to another Bucks of America podcast. Tonight, I have two legends here. I have Zach Wellman. This is his fourth time on the podcast. And I have Jake, his lovely cousin here. This is his third time on the podcast here. And so the nice thing is we don't have to really do a whole lot of introduction because you guys have already listened to the previous podcast. So thank you again for tuning in. Uh, what we're going to this podcast is this, this is going to be simply just catching up because we haven't actually had a chance to sit down and BS since. I think it was last March. I think it was. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it has. So I'm going to start this off. So this last time we left off is right at the beginning of turkeys. I didn't go out at all last year. I spent most of my time out fishing because it's like I, the fishing was good. I got really good, really good uh, uh, days out on the water and just having a blast. And with the longer weather or what the how warm the weather was and how good the pike and the bass and the walleye were biting i just couldn't pass it up it was just a lot of fun but then we had a really fun trip down to okaboji which i'm going gonna be gearing up for for another trip here at the end of april and that last year was my first time ever going out there and it's this trip as you guys have heard on a previous podcast that it's just a bunch of group of guys that are get together and they've been doing it for I think this will be their 17th year doing it this coming May, and it's just a, a blast because it's it's fishing, it's talking about stories and drinking and good food, and it's just a lot of fun. Uh, last October when I went to the, that trip, one of the guys had left that night because he got a little too much to drink, and he fell <laughs> flat, face just flat on the ground and a bunch of gravel and the people where they showed me where he, he fell at it's like oh man he got fucked up so he left that night he, it's like or he left sometime later that morning but uh not going on he was surviving but he didn't do a whole lot the rest of the summer he uh he hurt himself pretty bad yeah we've all been there yeah so <laughs> zach you had actually had a pretty good um summer so did you no you didn't go out did you go out turkey hunting this past uh spring yeah i did we uh i same as this year i got first season um and it was kind of like first day was really nice because my old man and i went out and right away there was over 20 turkeys in the field right away a couple big toms quite a few jakes a lot of hens though and it was just really hard to get them to move off the hens and that was kind of the story that you got from everyone that you talked to throughout the entire turkey season they had a really hard time getting those toms to move off the hens um but end of the first season the last day got a jake and then after that it was just kind of going out with a lot of buddies and my dad trying to get them on some too but yeah overall good turkey season but we're looking uh, to have an even better one this year how about you jake did you get one last year yeah me and my buddy went out um to our old farm <clears throat> and we didn't we didn't have any luck but we had a couple hens come in we had a bunch of gobbles around the valley but nothing came in they were pretty much you know uh, they were all stuck to their hens so sounds like every, it sounds like everybody had that problem with getting the the toms to get out the now i've heard of the turkey rutten is that usually like the first week of the season it, it's really just going to depend on the weather and everything because like um last year was a good 
like good weather wise for turkey hunting but like you know first season you could still potentially have snow some years and everything still mm-hmm. on the ground and whatnot so it really just depends but a lot of people seem to have like um i'd say the most luck in third season's pretty good and then especially once you start getting towards like may and the last couple seasons it starts to die off pretty quick I got you. So if you're when you're fit, when you're out hunting turkey, right around Memorial Day weekend, it's like good fucking luck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what happened to Alicia and I when we went uh, turkey hunting the first time here a couple of years ago. And it's like we ended up taking naps because it's like we had no action. We we'd have a couple of chirps, but nothing really going on. It was a pretty quiet morning, and then it got to be about noon, and then we heard a couple of clucks, and then and then it's like it just even all the way up until dark. It's like nothing came around. Yeah, no, definitely. I guess, yeah, same thing, though. It all depends on, on weather and everything else, what that's all playing a role into. And you can kind of tell, too, like, uh, some days you'll get out there and you'll, you know, all of them will just be bellering all morning. Yeah. They're they're a lot easier for some reason to get to move. Um, and then some days you won't hear a single gobble. And that's good luck trying to figure out a turkey, you know? <laughs> yeah, that is very true. And it's like I've been watching a lot of videos, and it's like there's a – it's merely – comes down to your call too because like i've heard some really good calls and it's like you you, you hear them just light up but then again you hear you hear about the shot gobble and it's like your phone goes off and all of a sudden they just (laughs) fly off the roost and there they are yeah it seems like they shut off like like that basically yep and you don't know like if uh like you spooked them or what you just can't really tell yeah, I was getting uh, my my roommate out. Uh, it was his first time going out turkey hunting, and right away, um, I just figured to make it easy, we would just set up a blind out in a, a corner of a field with some decoys and see if we could get uh, any of the ones around that we had kind of gone out the day before and tried to see maybe where they were at, see if we could hear any gobbles. And uh, I mean, we had one morning we were both getting ready, like had our guns ready to go. Cause I'm like, Hey, they're, they're coming in hot. You got two of them. Both sounded like big Tom's too, you yeah. know, uh, coming right in and whatever stopped them. I don't know. They got to the field edge and I know that they didn't see us, but that was it. No more gobbles. They got to the field edge. That was it. Sat around all morning and he couldn't figure it out and was looking for me for answers. And I'm like, that's a Turkey man. Like, you know, like <laughs> I can't tell you, I can't get into the, they're just like having a cat. You never know what's going to go on through their mind. And they're like, they're a dumb bird, but when it comes down to hunting season, they're the smartest animal out there in the forest. Makes every man want to quit and get back into it again the next season. Absolutely. And that was an interesting hunt for you, wasn't it, that morning? Oh, you, man. You Dude, don't want to talk well, about that. All right. Well, I guess now that you got me going, um, that i don't think was the the same morning it could have been we went out a few mornings in a row but i had (laughs) i had the worst day of hunting ever so yeah here's a little story for all your listeners to uh make themselves feel better about any bad day that they have had so we uh we're getting up at like three in the morning to get up to his land and everything get set up real early and I don't think we got to bed till 1 a.m. So it was, I was, you know, we were both tired and everything. And uh, I was putting on my hunting pants and I ripped the zipper. This is the first bad thing that happened. Ripped the zipper on it. So I was walking around this uh, side of my, like, pants were just flopping around everywhere. Uh, uh-huh. And that wasn't too much fun. But what happened right after is we were going down to uh, my vehicle so I could find my uh, chew. And I couldn't find it. And I was just already upset. 
So I just like said, you know, screw this, whatever. I'm getting in the car. Let's just go. I don't okay. need it. And <laughs> we're uh, 15 minutes from his house. You know, he had left like uh, 15 minutes away. And I sat there and I'm like, <laughs> well, I hope you plan on doing all the shooting today. And he goes, Did you forget well, would you forget your gun? And I go, yep. And so, <laughs> oh shit! So I was just, uh, you know, hauling uh, the stuff around and doing the calling and everything for him, and <laughs> it was just not, not a good day at all. Yeah, it's about as uh, bad as leaving your release in the truck. Been there, done that. It's not fun. But at least I know I figured I could at least draw my bow back. But it's like I don't know how accurate I'm going to be. <laughs> so like, not not going what nothing ever came around that uh, that fateful night a couple years ago. Do you have any rough? Stories from this opening week from the from last uh, season from turkey hunting. I don't think I have any stories that are like that. Like okay, that bad. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to pull a rookie move and leave your shotgun in the in the, no, in the vehicle. No. no, I'm not Zach here. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's funny. Now let's roll into the summer here because like my, my summer started off real hot and like it's like I was able to go fish because like you you we living here in lacrosse is like being able to hit the Mississippi in a matter of 15 minutes is just fantastic I mean we I was pulling up uh, I think my biggest pike I caught last year came in at 37 inches and then one of the buddy one of my other friends that we were fishing with too he caught his personal best at 37 and a half and he actually got that mount he's, he's it's in the process of being mounted but we came up with a very unique way of salvaging it because we ha- he didn't have a cooler or anything like that to keep it cool but also to keep it from like dying and bending in certain ways certain ways so what we ended up doing is we took one of his pairs of pants dunk it in water and we took the pike and slid it in there and it worked perfectly so this way then it would you keep it would keep the f- the fish from drying out so this way then it goes straight from there to the freezer and so he's looking at uh should be done here Actually, it should be done here in like three weeks, four weeks. Fingers crossed. And he was the guy's charging him five, five fifty an inch. Mm. So, which is not a bad price coming down to when you're dealing with pike and such. But that was a lot of that was a lot of fun. We couldn't believe it too. He was cat. He was casting this little red devil out there, and just casting in the same direction, wasn't catching. Anything. And then it's like boom, just struck it, hit, and it's like it's like it's gone. It was it was a blast. And then uh, oh my buddy uh, Cam. He was fishing and he, he casted out his, uh, if you guys look behind you, see that white rod there? Yeah. That lose one, that's the championship series they came up with last year. He casted it, hit one of the steel rods at the boathouse and snapped the tip. <laughs> he just snapped it clear off. It's like, oh man, knock on wood that he had insurance on. Like all, like uh, the, that one has insurance on it too for, through, uh, Gander Outdoors. It's pretty nice. But when I was out there in Okaboji though, it's like I picked up a new rod. I picked up a seven foot rod over there, a green one. Okay. Retails for 70 or no, for $30 a piece. I paid eight bucks for it. Nothing okay. wrong with it. Eight bucks. Really? Yeah. See, out there in Okaboji, Berkeley has their, uh, customer service and they have their factory out there and everything. So they have their factory seconds out there too. So it's like they got the refurbished models and such. And they, and you can buy pretty much any rod out there that's in the Berkeley family. And so it's like if you can you can go out there and buy a new setup for like five six bucks if you want to you can go as expensive as buying a brand new like uh, Black Max something like that for for a whole entire setup for like eighty bucks. Well, they don't they don't sell them for full retail. Like I have a Black Max set over there uh, set up down there with the, with the matching rod and reel. And I only paid fifty bucks for it. You go to Walmart? No, yeah, Walmart or. Uh, 
Fleet Farm or any place that sells them, you, you're looking at still eighty bucks for the for the setup. Only paid fifty for it. Doesn't Saint Croix do that also? You can. I, I think so. Too. I've never been to Saint Croix, their shop up up north here, but I, I'm sure they probably have some type of uh, cool program like that. Yeah, we were up in uh, Manaqua for uh, ice fish tournament, mm-hmm. and we were at the Saint Croix factory there. And like any rods that are damaged, like during like the making of them, they like grind out the the mojo st croix logo and then like they sell them for i think like 20 bucks a piece no kidding that's still really cheap though because considering those st croix are looking at anywhere between 100 to almost 200 a piece because they are not cheap but they're high quality it's the the best part about buying an american-made product you know sounds like a weekend trip <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's like that's why i invited you guys out to go out to okaboji is like that's where we go and get our, our all of our tackle all of our gear that we need our minnows our leeches our worms what a, whatever's hitting that's where we go to and it's like they have this a really nice massive parking lot there and you can buy clothes there too you can buy frog dog and whatever you need to stay warm and such so I'm lucky. I got uh, I got some of those those uh, 360 heater 360s, like the socks ones, the heated okay. socks. Oh man, that, those those are a game changer, bro. How do you like? Yeah, you like oh, those them? are They're... those are nice. Get, you got to get the the battery packs that have the um, you have to change the batteries out. You don't get the rechargeable ones. They, didn't, they had a lot of issues with them. So, but I like mine. It's like there's the, the, anytime I got cold, I clicked them on, got real hot real quick, shut them down. It's like they're good to go because. For some odd reason, the t- the weekends, we, the trips we took out there to Okaboji last year in October and in or in May and in October, s- identical weather. It was 35, 40 mile wind gusts, massive swells, uh, highs were in the fifties. Mm-hmm. When you got that nas- when you got that wind though, don't mean shit. Because when we were out there in May, they had a catfish tournament. <gasps> that was that was pretty cool. And then we went out there and. Um, October, they had a musky uh, tournament there. They had people there from Kentucky, Illinois, Ohio, fishing muskies in, in Okaboji. It's like and like watching. Like you never seen one boat stood still. They just they just trolled around the lake. That's all they did all day long from seven a.m. to three thirty. It's like man, that's a lot of gas to be burning, and especially if you don't catch anything. Yeah. Now you went out to Oka or no, you guys went out to the Black Hills, didn't you? Yeah, so we, what kind of trouble did you guys get out there? Well, we won't talk about the uh, the trouble, but we'll uh, talk about all the fun fishing and everything <laughs> that we did. <laughs> but yeah, no, we uh, well, Jake and I, we spent a lot of summers out there when we were you know uh, growing up, just because our our families had kind of fell in love with the area. So there was a guest ranch that we started staying at, and I mean we you know grew up on those trout streams too. So yeah. we figured it would be a good. Uh, kind of guys trip we had uh my roommate from my two-year school flying from new hampshire my roommate now and then us two decided to go out there for you know four or five days and see what we could uh get into for you know uh trout and everything else and i mean we had a it was a really really good trip yeah we weren't expecting to catch much since the locals were saying you know the water was high muddy whatever Mm -hmm. and we found out we weren't going to catch anything at one of our good spots but then we found a smaller feeder stream that we you know fished in the past and we we jacked them up yeah for i mean we went back after the first day at our that one spot we spent a long time walking that stream and just kind of i mean it was almost inaccessible in a lot of places like trying to get into that water with our waders i mean it was up it would have been over your waders and all the spots and uh you could tell when we got there and we saw the water we're like "Uh oh like yeah maybe they're right well we went to the trusty stream that we've fished for you know years and we uh yeah we put a put a whooping on them for sure 
Now, did you guys were you able to catch your limit though out there, or were you just catching the release? Um, we kept a, a few just for like uh, I brought Shore this lunch? little yeah portable grill with us, and so we uh, we brought some venison and everything that we had too, and we were grilling out while we were you know uh, fishing all day. But <laughs> yeah, there was one in particular uh, that that got eaten by my roommate. Uh, we were in Deadwood. Okay. Um. And you know what happens in Deadwood stays in Deadwood, but uh, <laughs> he ended up not making the last trolley back to the hotel, and he hiked all the way back to the hotel. And how it, far was that? Oh, miles, I don't know, three miles, four miles. Oh, that's not that's, that's not well, too yeah. bad. But when you're intoxicated, that that seems like six. Exactly. But he uh, got back to the hotel and remembered that we had a uh, trout from. <laughs> A couple days ago the thing was that there wasn't any ice left in the cooler it was just floating in water but he doesn't care he's got an iron stomach and it was must have been like i think he said 5 30 in the morning there was people starting to come out of their hotel rooms in the parking lot okay. he's just standing there at the back of my truck on the tailgate grilling up this trout <laughs> and oh, he just nice. like, took his knife to it and ate that thing all the way down to the bones and <laughs> You know, when you're drunk, you will pretty much eat anything. I, I can I can uh, attest to that. I know last June, I went to the uh, Train to Hunt event there in uh, Tyrell Basin. That was a lot of fun. They had 100, they had 100 guys, 101, 102 guys show up, or men and women and stuff like that. And it was a hell of a battle because it's like you're looking at mid-90s for temperature, 100-plus humidity, dealing with all the bugs and stuff like that. And it's like if anybody's been to Tyro Basin, their hills are just straight up. It's not, it's no joke. And then you have, you have, you have to, on top of that, before you even start running, you have to do box challenges and stuff like that. I recorded a couple of podcasts out there too, which was – I camped out there. So I just, just put my blow-up uh, bed in my – back of bed of my truck – and I camped out there, and it was, and I, and I grilled up uh, every morning. I had uh, deer, uh, canned deer. Man, that was some good stuff right there, especially with the with some good butter and and you put some Lowry's in there. Oh mm-hmm. fuck, man, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. I and it's like I anybody that passed by my truck is like, hey, come here, have some of this right here. And I got this little one little burner from Farm and Fleet, and it worked out perfectly because it's like it collapsed down, and then it's like it produces a lot of heat so it's like put on the cast iron grilled it all up real nice and good to go and it's like it was fantastic and a nice big uh cooler so to keep everything keep myself keep everything cool so it's like when i was drinking like uh, well the first night there when i got there i got there like nine o'clock at night and it's like i just had to mix up some lemonade and uh and jack daniels honey okay. made some lunch my my old half-assed lunchburg lemonades and man i got a little toasty that night i got so bored at like one o'clock in the morning it's like i'm sitting out there like everybody's in bed i'm not per- participating so I just like i'm gonna do some target practice grab my target start throw it there's like and then it's like i'm going pretty good about 15 arrows in and I, then i all of a sudden I, I just skimmed over the top of it and i watched my uh uh, field point to jump off the top of a rock and it's like these are my maximum reds it's like I really don't want to have the wife mad at me when I break one so it's, I decided like this is time to call it quits uh, I was going to say speaking of the I, I know that um, back to the, the South Dakota thing too though he got into a really nice brown and then uh, uh, Scuba my roommate did too they both uh, like as far as the big fish that were caught on that trip you know he uh, I, I remember we were all pretty psyched up about that one yeah that was right before we started uh cooking lunch too that was probably like the last fish that we caught which was really cool beautiful fish big 
and uh it was cool teaching scuba because he's never really been trout fishing before uh-huh. so teaching him like how to do it where to cast is really cool and he got really into it and he enjoyed it and he wants to do it again and that's what i i have a, a friend of mine that works with us uh that caught the the his uh best personal best pike that he wanted to take us take me out uh, trout fishing too but it's like he wanted to go the days already had stuff planned on it mm-hmm. so it's like it's like man it's like you gotta figure out a better better uh dates to do this so this is why we can actually go out and do it but he said it's it's a a lot of fun because it's all about target and how to cast and how to like not have them spit the hook out it's it's a makes bass fishing look like it's for pussies <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah they're they're a lot more timid than most yeah, fish are. are and they're it's starting to pick up now to mm-hmm. trout fishing with the warmer weather coming in but you know the creeks are getting flooded with all the snow melts and then we had rain all day today yeah it's supposed to rain a lot over the next couple of weeks but it's just the price we pay to being up in the upper Midwest. But hopefully it doesn't push anybody out to where they have to, or they plant the corn at the tail end of the season. Because there's a lot, if you guys have noticed around here in Wisconsin, there's a lot of people that didn't get their corn out. But then again, they didn't get it in and it didn't start growing until later on in the day, later on in the year. So what can you do? You just got to play with the hand you get, you get dealt. Yeah, we'll probably get another six inches of snow or something. Yeah, Some exactly. random thing, yeah. You never know. Well, you know, it's like we, we have to wait until at least a minimum of like May 15th is when we got that big six inches of snow here a few years back. That was uh, that was surprising. I had to go to work that day. I was, I was living in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, and I'm, I lived out by Chatfield, Minnesota, and if those who know Chatfield, that's prime. That's really good uh, trout fishing out there, too. And the people that lived in town couldn't get out of their, get out of the driveway. So it's like, you want me to drive all the way from out there up to here? And I was like, you guys can't do it. And it's my day off. I was like, uh, well, I'll figure it out. I made it. Of you course. made it. Yeah, okay. Of course I made it. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll rally for the team. Yeah, no, definitely. So now we get, let's, let's, uh, let's move on into the fall here. So what you, you actually had in a very eventful fall there, uh, Zach, you actually got to spend some time with the, the legendary Doug Dern. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, so for, I mean, a lot of my studies, like, um, uh, I've been able to kind of tailor my, my major and everything that I'm studying into hunting and, and everything else. So I had a class that was um, just basically getting together with uh, someone who does a lot of work and anything that has to do with the environment. And I instantly thought of, like, a couple people with, like, Pat Durkin, uh, you know, done some, uh, he's helped me out with some projects and stuff in the past, and then I was like, you know, got talking to Doug, and I figured, well, that'd be a good one, because I know he does a lot with the CWD, and uh, especially, like, the carcass and carcass dumpsters and kiosks and everything in Wisconsin, so shot him an email, and he's like, yeah, you know, you can, I can try and help you out as much as I can. Obviously, Doug's a really busy guy. Because um, he raises his cattle, doesn't he? Yeah, he does some, does some farming, and then, I mean, you know, he's a forester plus with all the stuff uh the cwd stuff that he does um traveling around talking at big events and everything you know really really busy so but i actually yeah i got to spend a decent bit of time um went out to his farm a few times helped him out with uh setting up the dumpster and like kiosk and stuff at his place and checked data sheets and delivered heads for lymph node extraction um helped him set up a couple tree stands stuff like that got to you know um pick his brain a little bit so what did he give you any uh, gems any diamonds in the rough that you can relay back to the listeners Ooh, well that uh 
I guess just a lot of like his personal mantras uh, speak wonders themselves with, uh, you know, you get to get out there right away. I was super intimidated, obviously, like getting to watch Doug on, on Netflix and everything is kind of like, you're like, ah, oh, you know, I'm around. Uh, it's a celebrity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I was uh, definitely pretty nervous, but you get out there and you realize he's just uh, just a good old Wisconsinite, you know, like a uh, good old farm farm boy. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of like is just stuff that he's already been known for saying um, with like even simple stuff like buy time, pay for science. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on CWD. I mean, there's you Google his name and there'll be a bunch of stuff to come up. Nothing particular that I could point out right now. But here's a little fun fact for you: Rogan booked a, a, a uh, tour date November fifteenth there or November thirteenth in Milwaukee. It's not that far away from Richland Center. No. It's like because because the last time he was up here when he recorded an episode with uh, Doug Dern and. Uh, Steve Rennell at the farm. He had a show in Madison. I went to that show too. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you may want to hit him up. It's like, hey, I got some extra work. I need to get. I need a extra hand. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it was cool. Like speaking of like, uh, you know, where they record that podcast, and they got to go out into like the farmhouse, and it was kind of cool just sitting there like watching uh, like the Netflix shows that they had done there. I got to see his uh, caribou that he shot on uh, on Netflix there, and just getting to hear him retell that story and everything. I mean. You know he's put in a lot of work to to get where he is, and and there's a reason why he's so influential in a lot of this uh, outdoors type of stuff, and um, just getting to spend some time with them and and ask him questions and everything. It was definitely apparent why uh, he's thought of so highly. Now, how did he explain to you how he met Steve Ranella or Giannis? Yeah, um, well, I just believe because he had already kind of had a. a I don't remember the exact story, so I'm not going to put words, uh, you know, or like a false story or anything out there. But I just know that, like, I think because he had already had some recognition and stuff for being around and then Steve and them uh, liking this area and stuff, they just kind of got connected and him and Steve hit it off right away, you know, being pretty good friends. So now that they're, you know, um, <laughs> he was even like sometimes being like, yeah, I was talking to Steve the other day. I'm like, man, I wish I could say that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he. Doug got recognition for his work for CWD here in, in the state of Wisconsin. I'm sure that's what probably attracted those two together. And then, of course, like he, Steve, it's like uh, you have to have a chance to talk to him, man. He is a unique gentleman, very, very well read, smart man. Oh, well, we all listen, we listen to his podcast, you watch the TV show, but actually getting a chance to talk to him and like talk about recipes and like talking about listening to some of his horror stories from when he was when he start first cooking and like cooking for his kids and you know uh, I had a friend of mine has been Tony Halinka has been on this podcast a couple of times he was talking about like his first question asked him was like how do you like how do you prepare deer tongue and he just went from there and then uh, one of the episodes that I had on here with Tony we actually tried some he actually gave me some of his pickled deer tongue and that is delicious yeah it is it is definitely an acquired taste but it is delicious and especially if you use like a simple marinade like what do you do with pickled herring then uh i'm looking forward to too because uh one of the guys we go fishing with in okaboji he does he takes all the pike and converts it into pickled pike oh man that that is some del that is delicious especially if he get if he gets because like the way he made my dad's batch was really sweet with a bitter aftertone so it's just the way it hits the, your palate and then you switch it around with a good beer 
God damn, it's messed up. Yeah. It is good, and like, but when you get those big chunks of meat, it's like you're used to pickled herring, which is very light and flaky, and it's like that's actually got some texture and some meat to it. So like two or three bites of that stuff, you're 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 got a nice little uh, appetizer in your system there. Is there mm-hmm. something you can relate the deer tongue to, like the taste, or it's, it's to me, it's like the, it's, it all comes down to what you're going to put it in in the they mix. So it's mm-hmm. like if you if you most people seem to be use the the common pickled herring mix, and so that's what's you just you just kind of t- absorb the flavor of that, and you just got to play around with it. I like adding a little bit more I like Jamaican jerk flavor to it. So, but that he. Ch- my friend Tony, when he made his, it's like he tried to do something that's universal flavored. Like, so he tried, so he did it close to pickled herring. So this way, people already know it's like, well, if you've had pickled herring, now it's just like you're just adding a different texture to the deer tongue in there. I like deer tongue myself. I think it tastes delicious. It's not for everybody. My dad didn't like it. It's like, eh. My wife likes it, so I enjoyed it. Uh, to me, it's like if you if you don't if you don't take the membrane off and you cook all around it, and you put a nice nice little salt and pepper to it. It tastes like sirloin. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's what I thought too when I took it off the grill. It's like it's like you cook it up to 164 degrees, then you just eat it from there. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't monkey around with that stuff, especially when it's a when it's a unique uh, cut of meat like that. I want to I'm going to bring it up to temperature. I'm not going to short short this anyway. Yeah. No, definitely. I know that like they'd even talked about. Uh, I remember hearing on one of their podcasts about uh, cooking like beaver tail and i'm like oh God, you gotta be kidding me <laughs> i can't even <laughs> i don't, I don't know. know did he did it, I, i've never actually tried beaver tail. I, yeah, I haven't either I've, I've i don't know that's uh i just mean like with him being able to come up with recipes and everything for making that stuff taste you know uh even edible is just that's a talent in itself you know <laughs> yeah i didn't even know people me tail. either <laughs> it's from what i understand is well it's a lot of fat in it so it's like it's one of those things where you'd almost have to get at the beginning of the season because the end of the season it's like that's where they get most of their nutrients now they survive the cold winters uh i noticed that i know that Randy newberg last fall or two falls ago or something he, he did some muskrats and it's like no matter which way you did it it still tastes like swamp it still <laughs> tastes really nasty because it's like the way they where they live at and how they what they eat and it's like you just can't get rid of that swampy taste out of their meat because like, he was talking like they tried it with a a, a jerk or a, a shredded version of it they tried it like with different types of styles like with how they treat pork and such and it just they just couldn't get rid of the flavor like barbecue even couldn't even cover it it's like well if barbecue can't cover it it's like good luck with anything else but uh speaking about fall did you what was your uh so my you- my fall was rough because i ended up losing my hunting property Right before hunting, right before I was gonna, like, we, my wife and I were planning our honeymoon to go out there and go hunting. It's like uh, Bruce Hutchin from Whitetail Rendezvous, or now it's now he's got a new show called Let's Talk Deer. He was gonna come out there. And it's like I talked to the landlord. He's like he said, it's like I'm pulling my. It's like it's not your fault, but it's just one of those things where I need to keep the peace. And his next door neighbor is a Linda, so it's like we and and so. I just agreed with him. It's like, okay, that's fine, man. That's like, I'll pull my stuff off and that's it. But it's like the worst part was like all of these massive bucks have been growing and it's like, and I was going to hunt a different spot on the land and yeah, it is frustrating. But now we are back to square one here in Wisconsin. So we'll we got nice thing is that we have the fine, the farm management land that we can hunt. So plus there's a lot of public land around here too as well. So I'm 
not worried about finding a piece of property to hunt, especially the one you recommended too. Because it's like there's uh, the, the trickiest part, like the best spot for the deer is like all the way on the back side. But then you have to, I'm not sure where you park though, because where you the parking lot is a country store. Yeah. So you kind of did look into oh, it. Oh, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I spent a lot of time doing some uh, <laughs> research from on from the desktop there because. I just kind of was able to like. Well, I got good. I got better computers at home or at work, so I was like, I just kind of worked my way around through it and looking at it and changing the three D views. And it's like, it's a, it's like you go, so it's, you got the parking lot, and you go straight up, and it plateaus at the very top. Yep. It's like that is going to require some some preparation climbing up there. Because, but it's like, I was thinking, it's like I'll just stay on the bottom of it, and get around to the backside, and and get right between where the water. Eat in bed. It's like I think that's gonna be the best spot, and if I can find a place like where I can just chill out, it was one of those things where it's like if I if I if I if my shoulders weren't were were in rougher shape, you know, it's like getting one of those duck blinds and then just kind of wait in front of the, for the deer to walk out in front of you and just kind of bring the crossbow up and plink, just yeah. drop it. I know I'd been out on it just a, a couple times between like uh, just going out looking for. Um, you know with friends in the past like small game and stuff or turkey hunting or whatever but it's yeah. kind of similar to the what um we were hunting this year um the, the piece of land that w- that we're hunting and uh yeah the climb isn't gonna be too fun but it's mm. you know it is what it is once you get up there though you got you just sit down take mm-hmm. the rest of the day and <laughs> i did take it and like because where where it stops at and try to follow all the way back to where the where the farm that you, you gain access to, and it's like I don't think the guy would probably let me drive because it's it's probably a good two or three miles from the farmhouse that has that gives you the best access because there's no way to getting up to the top of where you where you where you can walk in at for the public access. So to get there on private, you have to go. It's it's not an easy track to get mm-hmm. back in there. I would hate to get a vehicle stuck back in there. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like if you it, it'd be the only way to be able to. Well, I'm sure if somebody will let you if if you got good in with the landowner. I'm sure he'd probably let you get away to get him back there and such. So all it is is just take about just starting off simple, like, hey, can I go out there squirrel hunting, yep. coyote hunting, going from there. And now it's like, speaking of coyote hunting, this is the time to be doing it because this is where they're, they're they're having their pup or breeding. This is the breeding session here because I have a couple of the guys I work with that are that take their coyotes hunting seriously. They, they join, they do the contest and stuff like that. And they, they said their biggest one they've shot this year came out 34 pounds and like seven ounces, Oof. which they got first place. And the, and the other uh, coyote came in two ounces less than that. They won $167. It's like, well, you paid for gas. Yeah. Now, there was a interesting about speaking about coyote hunting. There was a video I saw, um, on facebook and i think it was like ridge and valley pursuits or something they they do a lot of coyote hunting um there was one of the groups around there that that films in this the driftless area and they had a video of a two it had at least two legs didn't have any more than three uh, coyote that they had come out into the field when they were hunting and uh i watched that and i was just like that is one tough coyote to be you know making it making do it look healthy you know it looked fat so yeah (laughs) but no, that was uh, that was just kind of. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. I see that they do a lot of that kind of stuff around there. Um, mm-hmm. But you guys see that uh, that baboon syndromed uh, coyote? Mm-hmm. It's it's. I posted the article, and in a way, it looks like it's like the head has its it's, it's a spinal disfiguration from it, and as it's it's, a, it's born, and it's like the heads like it's like it's the heads and its shoulder Almost blades, and it the, looks yeah. like a baboon, but it's all hairy and stuff like that and has a snout of a coyote and stuff like that and it's, just, it's a very 
weird looking animal but it doesn't it doesn't happen often but it does happen so if you want to go read the article it's out there on uh, bucks of america podcast uh, facebook page did you see where that was uh, from then did you say i don't remember hmm. i don't remember off the top of my head i know it's probably it's well it's here in the states that's all i know i had a friend of mine out in uh, arizona she caught it she shot a couple of uh, coyotes a couple of females because they're coming around because she has a uh, homestead out there where they don't raise chickens or turkeys, but they have a it's a rehab facility. So it's and and some of the animals there they don't, they can rehab to a certain point in time. Then they'll then they'll, they'll release them back to like somebody that wants to keep it for a pet, or it's their old folks' home where they come to die. But she had a couple of them out there that she had no idea there were females. It's like at least she got a couple of good ones off the top there, but it's like they're even smaller. Like we if we have like forty up here is big. Like down there, it's like it's lucky to see it over twenty pounds. And one had mange in it, and told her, I was like, "You might want to burn that, so this way you don't get that in with your dog or something like that." Because it's like she showed me, it looked like a chupacabra. It was, it was all ratted out and really nasty stuff like that. And they can live for years like that, and especially in Arizona, like they end up getting probably end up getting skin cancer because all the hair falls out and all the parasites get in. It's like after looking what like what's all involved with mange, I would not want to deal with that, man. That is a painful, long death. Yeah, imagine just seeing that coyote with mange like out in your backyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's pretty interesting. Like, the, where where'd you say that was down? Uh, down in Arizona. Arizona, yeah, because that's like even uh, when we were down in Texas hog hunting and everything, uh, we were talking about like deer and and everything else, and they were just jealous at how big ours, you know, um, body size and everything goes like up here. But yeah, I mean that's gonna carry across the board, I suppose, with like coyotes and everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, the. I was listening to the Where to Hunt podcast, and they're talking about that they transferred several Wisconsin deer down to Mississippi or Alabama to try to change up the gene pool down there to have a bigger breed. But I don't think you're going to be that successful because down there it gets so hot. So it's like they're not going to get very big. It's trying to bring in a Wisconsin whitetail down to Mexico introducing the coos deer down there. It's just, it's just not going to happen. It just gets way too hot. Yeah, plus all the ag and everything that we have around here, too, that they're able to, you know, pick at all year and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I suppose it depends on where you're at down there, but um, at least in the area where we were hunting, um, wasn't much for, um, like, corn or, you know, obviously anything else like that down there for them to really pack on the pounds. I don't. I wonder what their staple crop is down there. With is, I know cotton is is a is a is a works down because of the 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 way they aerate the ground. But I don't know what what they produce down there to to influence the the economy. But did you know that uh, last year, like the the our we we produce over so much corn, it's like they took an eighty percent loss and all that corn. I was listening to the Hal Herrick podcast uh, a few weeks ago before the turkey the um, pheasants forever mm-hmm. expo that went on up there in Minneapolis. That would have been fun to go to. They were talking about like how we're, we overproduce, overproduce so much corn that we're taking a loss off of it. And it's like, we almost need to change in how we go about it. And they were talking about how to put water back in, into the land. Cause a lot of times what we've spent the last hundred years doing is pulling the water out of the fields. Now they're talking about how to put it back into it. And they brought up Iowa just because of how the, the swamps and the Des Moines River and how everything kind of intermingles. 
and such. And when there's flooding going going on, Des Moines and Council Bluffs just get hammered hard because last year both both communities were were underwater for a long period of time. Yeah, we were down in Illinois just the other day, and um, they they have uh, it's called ammonia, so they they can't like switch up crops like uh, we do here. You know? Okay. So since they grow so much corn down there, they have to put in ammonia. So when you grow corn and it, like it grows, it takes nitrogen out of the ground. Mm-hmm. So they have to put ammonia, and that puts nitrogen back into it. So like if they would if they would uh, just have massive hay fields, they would be like they couldn't make much money off of that. So they have to keep growing corn and corn, and that's why they just keep putting this. I can't remember the name of it. I just know it's ammonia. Okay. Yeah. How how was the uh, the whole whole experience getting down there? Uh, it would have been a lot better if we shot some goose, but it was still a great experience. So we got down there. You know, we we got out to the blind at seven o'clock. And, you know, we got, I think we had a smaller spread, and the smaller spread is like 2,500 decoys. <laughs> yeah. And there's a spread west of us, or no, south of us that had like 9,000 okay. snow geese. And, yeah, it was it was a great experience because we, we saw one flock. We didn't shoot yeah. any. And that one flock, it was just, it was kind of worth the trip. It would have been a lot better, you know, if we shot them, but. That that would have been uh, would have been at least you still had at least you guys had fun down there, but uh, what you're what you're referring to about uh, down there is if they, they d- with ammonium they don't have a lot of phosphates in there and mosaic that's based out of out of uh, Florida they they have the world's largest phosphate mines out there and what they do is they mix it with uh, dimonium phosphate and monomonium phosphate and it allows it to regenerate the nitrogen in the soil and and it's it helps so that the products keeps in it by reacting in uh, by uh, are created by reacting ammonia and phosphoric acid to produce a solid granulated fertilizer. So that's what keeps them all going on. And if this company or if these mines ever dry out, we'll probably go into a massive famine because that's what they put in the soils when they put all that fun stuff out there. Mm. And uh, I, have a, I have a friend of mine. The reason why I know is, is I have a friend of mine that. Uh, we used to work for the company for, oh, God, I think 15, 20 years. Then he, and he, he retired from that company. And now he's working for the city there or for the state down there in Florida as he was able to get decent benefits. And then he was also able to maintain his rights to the Fin and Feather Club, which is, um, our property is owned by Mosaic that are, that have been mined since the 1910s. And, and what they did is they filled, well, well, we all know how Florida is. They got too deep, and then water started coming back up through it. Well, then they went as the uh, you emptied all the phosphate. They started moving them, moving them all around. And it's like there's like thirty or forty different ponds out there where you can catch some massive bass out there. He said his biggest bass came in at fourteen pounds, <laughs> and he took me to the spot where he where he caught it too. And he was out there with a the spinner, and he caught an eight pound bass right in front of me. He's like, "You son of a bitch!" But he knows these ponds, and the rules are very stringent too. But he wants to when he when he retire retires he wants to turn he wants to create a business to uh, be a guide service out there and he, he doesn't want to turn like into a full time he's like he'd be, he'd be happy to take one or two trips out a month you know bringing people out there because he, he's retired it's like he would spend his time out there guy is extremely smart we, I'm going to have him on the podcast I wanted to go out there this year to go fishing with him but it's just, it's just 
the time and the money, it just it just wasn't going to happen because I got my sister getting married the first of uh, April, and it's like I can't go to the Deer and Turkey Expo this year. So it's like mm. she's getting married on Friday. It's like I can still go. And no, no, <laughs> no. That's that's I'd have way too many people upset with me if I decided to do that. Now, did you guys tag out? Uh, for like guns? No. Well, uh, as far as like bow season went, um, and we had some decent ones on the cams on on the property that like we were all kind of hunting um i was out there spent a decent amount of time but uh i only ever had a few small you know um basket bucks come through and it just wasn't uh at the time what i wanted um and then i don't know did how did bow season go for you um bow season went i saw a lot of good deer had a lot of good deer on camera I uh, didn't get anything, though. I think the only deer that I shot was one during a drive with my buddies, and then we shot that, that doe, but we, yeah, and that was that was about it. Yeah, we were, uh, that was second day of gun season. Yep. And, uh, I mean, we saw, we had quite a few deer all, all coming through from our, our neighbors, must have been doing some drives on that Sunday. Yeah. Pushed a lot through, but um, just a lot of running deer, didn't have any clear shots or anything, um, uh-huh. but that that one um got kicked over towards me and then jake and i both you know uh put the finishing touches on it and so we got that one um but the rest of gun season i mean i just did a lot of uh walking and sightseeing you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you just took your gun out for a walk essentially what you tell me basically now, what do you guys think about uh, the new regulations that are coming out with turning the ten day gun season in, or nine day gun season into a nineteen day gun season? I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, are, I see you guys both shaking your head. It was just, I, I think, uh, uh, a lot of questionable stuff that is um, might you know be implemented that didn't, as far as like what the science is saying and everything behind it. I I wouldn't. Um, We'll just yeah we'll you know not not a super big fan but whatever the regulations are I guess you know we'll follow them we'll uh <laughs> yeah yeah I I am indifferent about it the only thing is like what I liked about most about Wisconsin is that during the rut there was no gun season in Minnesota during the rut there is a gun season like oh Jesus it's like that's like it's the that's that's the both seasons should be used for the rut. For the gun season, you you have the rest of the cold months. You know, it's like this way you can do whatever you want, but at least leave the rut for bow season. Wasn't another one in there too? Like, uh, there's no bow hunting um, a week before gun season or something. Like, no one's allowed to really even go out and hunt. And then there's you can't use your uh, bow tag. Like, if you were gonna just take your bow out during gun season, you can't do that anymore. There was oh, a, there was a man. lot of stuff that all came through that just kind of. There's a lot of anti-hunters writing these laws, which you're what you're telling me. Uh, I haven't looked at them yet myself, but the way the way you're explaining to me, there's a lot of anti-hunters that are, are writing laws that shouldn't be in that. Well, just uh, I'd say people that uh, are sitting in an office writing these laws that aren't really listening to, like I said, what the the, what sci- the science, science and everything else, and what should be you know possibly we should be looking at, especially with the CWD being as bad as it is in Wisconsin and everything. Um, we you know we don't want to be on here for a couple hours talking about that, but yeah, I mean essentially you're you're on the right track. Yeah, it is it is frustrating that about that. Because wasn't the deer count like down this year? 
yeah like, i know for deer killed oh i i don't know i didn't actually didn't see the, the final numbers did they finally come out with those I, th- yeah. I thought it was and i don't know why they would propose a 19 day i think they, they're just they're greedy they're looking after that money and that's what they want they're not looking for the quality they want the cash they want the cash flow yeah there was uh so like earlier reports i don't think that this was the official number i think it actually went down a little bit but um i remember just seeing an, an article that said it was like uh, the harvest was down like 27 percent statewide this year um and i mean you can contribute that to a lot of like the time of the year where like this gun season fell it was a little bit later um and just uh less people being out hunting stuff like that um the weather and everything wasn't exactly ideal but you know that i don't think that number is really lining up to the amount of deer that we have in the state so um when people see that they're probably thinking uh deer population is down when that really probably isn't the case i believe um license sales were down too yeah if i'm right which i don't i don't get what's going on there either so total on all we're looking at 167,000 let's see here yeah, that's all. That's for antlered, antlerless, and unknown. So, well, unknown is a blank calendar. I think that's probably the ones that have that females grew, grew a rack. So, 167,000. That's for the nine-day gun season. And that's less than what we had harvested last year? Or is that... I am not sure. If Let me see if they... Uh... Hmm. It does not... Let's see. Does, let me see if, there's, uh, if it gives me a, another... Uh... So I'm actually looking at the website right now. Uh, it does not provide me the 2018 totals. I was just looking at the overall as a period. So, and then as for um, archery, total was 41,000. Mm. Crossbow came in at, uh, see here 51,000 so we're already over 300,000 so it's still quite high youth deer summary let's see what the how many kids were able to tag out that was over 6,000 so that's pretty good for them so that's that's at least made several uh, muzzleloader was 8,000 another 8,000 in the antlerless only seasons and what about the extended season that goes the way out to January 31st? That comes at 775. Hmm. So we're still looking at maybe like plus or minus like 400 some thousand. So 450,000. So it's still a lot of harvest deer. So we did have a good season. And then on top of it too, the amount of injuries we had were, were virtually nil, which is another yeah. good, which is a huge thing right there. Especially because um, 2017 was the first year they didn't have any deaths. Then, er, and then no, 2018 was the first year they didn't have any deaths. In 2019, I didn't see any deaths come across my feed, whether it be uh, Wisconsin or anywhere on the. Well, I think there was a. I'm not sure if there was any accidents. I think no, there was a couple out out east, and I think it was in South Carolina or something like that. A kid saw a runner and or, well saw something and pulled the trigger. Mm. Oh, actually, it was, I think it was cousin or something. It was a tragic story. I had it on my Facebook feed. I don't remember exactly what it was, but overall, in all, still a decent season. You know, it, it, we still look better than Chicago. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> right. But uh, I mean, I guess it's just you, you look at even let's just say you know, obviously that that's still a lot of deer being harvested. But the the fact of the matter was that there was 
quite a few less that were harvested this year and going back to the whole cwd thing like in a time where this is pertinent and like we've already spent so much time failing on the fight against like controlling the spread of it in the state it's a yeah. there's a lot of hard pills that i think people are going to have to come to accept and, and swallow um as far as what needs to be done um as far as like uh new regulations and such to really control and get this thing under wraps um but again you know uh we'll leave that up to the <laughs> the agencies that make all these the decisions powers that be yeah. yeah i don't know there's there's no wrong way to there's no right we haven't figured out the right way to do it yet iowa hasn't illinois hasn't so we're just kind of in the forefront of it all i think we're still at 25 states have confirmed cases of cwd right now yeah there was uh i had some more info on that i just don't have it in front of me on how many states and like other uh countries and stuff like norway found it in their um arranged caribou caribou yes and they what they did though is when they found it in that particular herd they went in and eliminated every single one of them and for however many years that those prions stay in the environment because like when a um uh carcass decomposes or whatever into that environment still those prions are in even things like uh plants that they'd be eating and such they can still contract it that way i mean it's obviously like bodily fluids um contact and such that that is the main spreader of it but then they had to go in there for however many years it was and keep those um caribou out of that area and eventually once that's done then they can kind of get back so even fire doesn't kill the prions there's a um there's more info on that than what i'm able to provide but i do know that it is a very extreme temperature that it would require to um eliminate those yeah damn it's one of those things where it's like a it's a super virus in a sense but it's only affects wildlife or or the i guess deer the deer family because deer family can incorporates everything from coos deer all the way up to moose so yeah there's a lot behind it and we're you know obviously everyone's still scrambling to find answers for it um the good thing as of right now though is that there's no proof or evidence that it can jump the species barriers into uh into humans yet but that isn't exactly ruled out either so uh, yeah exactly i'm not sure how you would actually a human to have to probably have to eat this brain or something like that from an affected one well with, with how much venison my family likes to eat yeah <laughs> i don't know it's 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 one it's an interesting thing because deer are very lean any well, any any of those animals in that family are very lean anyway. So it's like we know it's not stored in the fat, knock on wood. So therefore, it won't be stored in the meat. But then again, we know the fat is stored on the outside of the meat, and we've only so far been. It's only through the nervous system that we've that it has been confirmed we find it. And so, I think it's like it's kind of nice. It's like it's isolated right there. Unless if we go something goes haywire, the coronavirus mixes with yeah. it. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's super. <laughs> it's 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 a very interesting time because right now it's like the Chinese are killing everything. They're killing dogs and cats and cattle or they're not doing so hot over there. And, and some sources say with the coronavirus, they've they've uh, had sources that are going back as far as October. Hmm. Well, and on top of that too, there's no exact count because the CDC is only given select um, facilities test kits for it. Yeah, I think Florida just went into a state of emergency. Yeah, same with the uh, uh, yeah Washington. Washington, yeah. Washington had their issue too. Same with the uh, Hawaii as well. But I mean, needless to say that the the ticket prices for a cruise line would be very cheap. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I'm not, you know, uh, so what the fatality rate on it isn't much more than, you know, two and a half, three, four, five percent or something like that. I think so, it's at three uh, percent. So yeah, it's, so, it's, well. it's it's still higher than uh, the influenza virus, but. I think it's just a, a massive scare tactic, to be honest with you, because the Democrats know they're going to lose again. <laughs> you know, the best part is, I was really happy the neo-Nazi uh, Bloomberg was no longer part of the pod, part, part of the pod there. And the, and the cool thing is, my podcast gets listened to people from Czechoslovakia, the Philippines, Spain. It's like they they've already gone through the gun confiscation. It's like don't do it, guys, don't do it. Well, once the second falls, the rest goes with it's how it. it goes. It's how it goes. It's the only way. You, the, the best part is, it's like you ever try to get in a conversation with somebody that drank the flavor aid. You know, just good luck. <laughs> I don't say Kool Aid because it's not, that's not how Jim Jones killed everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you probably get a lot of that at your uh, university too. Just a lot of uh, anti-gun people. Well, yeah, but you know the beauty of this country is everyone's entitled. Uh, you know. Ex- to have their own opinion and everything so you know i've never i'm not uh too far on either side of the aisle that's for sure uh but yeah i, I it's a definitely an interesting uh having some of my views going into uh the the four-year college route and my major that isn't exactly uh the most accepting of views that differ from you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly i agree so what's going to be your guys's outlook for this upcoming spring then same thing back to turkey season and then fishing yeah we're going to get on some spring turkeys and then a lot of trout fishing and hopefully you know. um you know get this ice out of here and start you know get getting after the bass and whatnot i was over the park over by gunderson there it's all open water that parking lot was full of boats Yep. Full boat trailers. It's like there were everybody was on out there getting out, taking, getting advantage of it. It's still not recommended by the DNR to go out there, but it's like you just take your time, just kind of go nice and slow. My dad was telling me he's got a friend of his that's, that lives over in Genoa. He spends something like two hundred and fifty days in the water, and he said he's 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 hit him. He's, he's ran into a few situations where he's hit some water and he's like hit some hit some ice and he goes right in the water. <laughs> so now it's like he's, he has a, a st- good foolproof strategy because it's happened. It's happened already. So, but it's it did be known how nice it is to be able to to spend that many days out in the water fishing or hunting or whatever you want to do. Yeah, it's I'm I'm just excited for uh yeah ter- like like we're t- especially fishing but turkey season. And fish and everything, and speaking of all the boats and everything, going uh, by the Genoa and then Linksville dams uh, this last weekend. Yeah, there must have been 50, 60 boats out by the Genoa dam. And then uh, I know that in Linksville, there's probably another 30, 40 or so. And mm-hmm. I was getting texts from some people uh, who were asking me, like, hey, what are they all catching in Genoa or whatever? And I'm like, man, I haven't had time to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get over there. And, yeah. Probably and- walleye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. walleye perch. You know, it's like crappies too. I mean, I've seen some pretty big slabs. See that massive one come out of Minnesota? That four pound yeah. one? Yeah, that thing yeah, was some, that. that was huge. That was a little girl caught that. I no, think. It was a, no, it was a woman. It was a she was probably in her mid twenties. Okay, I must have saw a different one then. It yeah. was huge. Yeah, there's because the biggest one that was caught this year is, is someplace out of Minnesota. It came in like four point one pounds. <laughs> but the the world record 
was set in eight, May of eighteen in Tennessee at five pounds something, and the guy was the guy the guy was talking about it. He was saying that he thought he caught a bass because it struck. It was like I've caught my fair share of crappies. They hit just like a bass, but their lips are so delicate you don't want to pull your hook yeah, out yeah. too fast. But it's like just thinking of pulling up a five pound crappie. It's like Jesus. You got to get that mounted. Oh, oh, I, I, I'm sh- right away. If if he didn't mount it, I'm sure somebody bought it or like, hey, I'll pay for this mount. Yeah, yeah. Tell people you caught it bass pro or, or cabela's or something like getting into it you guys getting into any tourneys this year yeah i mean we're planning on it um just as far as like what is set up right now i don't know if uh you have anything that you're like guaranteed into right now but uh, well, i know just we've been looking yeah the plan is to get a boat bass boat hopefully but i mean i want to get a probably a john boat for sure and then you know set it up for bass or you know just regular fishing whatever and then mm-hmm. in the uh, uh fall set it up for uh, duck hunting there you go that's not a bad strategy there too because i think the only mate we have the major league fishing league coming through town but that's gonna be a kayak one and that's gonna be in uh, uh august bass pro is coming to wisconsin but it's, they're, they're going to the west the east side of the state this year the uh, elite series yeah Oh, they're not I coming think, to the Mississippi again? No, not this oh. year. Ne- next year they will. They do the Elite Series every other year, and then they'll do then uh, Bassmaster Classic does it every other year as well, too. I think they both come through the same year. Because, you know, last year they had the Classic or the Elites in May, and then, then, then they turn around. The, no, yeah, the Elites in May, and then in last year when I got married, they had the uh, Bass Pro in here too as well. Bassmaster Classic coming into town here. It's nice being here, like seeing all that kind of excitement coming through. Yeah, it's the only downside is we don't have a like good place to go get fishing lures and stuff. We got we got Ace Hardware, but that 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 helps make the trek down to Prairie du Chien. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the nice thing is that it is a small market, uh, cheaper taxes. So you do there's people have been saving money on buying ammunition down there and, and uh, fishing supplies. I, I'm I'm feeling pretty. Uh excited about this year because uh as the years go on i get more free reign at my dad's uh, bass boat that and he got uh, quite a bit of work done to it this last uh, yeah. year just kind of getting it back ready to go and i mean that'll be that'll be nice to have to be able to just toss in uh whenever i think it's like it's an older 17 foot glass stream with a 150 on the back and, you know live wells okay. but like it's yeah all the bells and whistles for what you'd you'd need at the uh ripe young age of 23 so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i that's like i fish with my dad a lot of times and these guys 17 foot and we catch a lot of fish and it's got a 50 or no 25 revenue or yamaha engine on it it's like you you don't have to have an expensive boat to catch fish no but then again if you're in a time if you're if you're if you're in a timed, you're gonna to have to get a, get a little bit heavier outboard if you're going tiller or something like that. Because you need you need to get around that get around the lake. And last May we went out there fishing for their bass tournament out there. Man, they, those guys were four mile winds and just zoom. Yeah. So they're just flat. <laughs> they're just flat. It's like that's why that thing cost eighty thousand dollars that boat. Absolutely. Yeah, when the Elite Series was in town here, um, the guys they would. They would get tickets pretty much, but they didn't care. Like, I had to get to my spot. And give me a <laughs> ticket if you want. Like, they're going to slow wake, uh, uh, wake zones ah. by the bars on French Island, I think. And they're like, well, we're going to give you a ticket. They're like, that's fine. I got to get to my spot right now. It probably doesn't bother them since they're all sponsored. Chump change. Yeah, them. yeah. Well, it's pretty. It's still expensive to travel around, though, too, because because they, they pull their boat, they pull a camper, because that's how a lot of them survive and stuff like that. I know when KVD was in town, man, he got his ass stomped. He came in at 33rd place. Mm. But it's like fishing up here. It's like you have to be on point to catch 16 pounds a day. If not, 
you're not gonna you're not gonna make it through. Was that that most because re- I know Iconelli came in. He did pretty good on on mm-hmm. one of them. Uh, was that that last? I think Iconelli came through uh, with the Bassmaster Classic. Okay, and then because Ishman Rowe yep. won beat everybody on that one. And the funny thing is that these guys are throwing tackle that's not even available yet. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like I want to go buy the tackle, and you go there, and it's like we don't we don't carry it yet. It's like. Why are you throwing something we can't go buy? <laughs> it's like that's just retarded. Yeah, he won uh, this tournament with just frogs. He was telling yes. us. Yes, were you at the weigh-in? Yeah, I was at the weigh-in. Oh yeah, I yeah. watched. It. I got I actually. I have it on recorded. Oh, it's, okay. on, it's on the. It's on. It's on the my Facebook page. Yeah, I remember what he said. He's like, I had two or three rods in my boat, and they were all frogs. Yes, <laughs> that's all he was catching. But he said it's. But he also had an issue with the snakeheads and the pike too because they're 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 striking and they're hitting them you hear about that all the time those guys coming up here and then they're going through frogs and everything like no other because of all the pike and everything i'm like well you know i get that it's a bastard but there's i love i love catching pike i think pike's a lot of fun i think someone lost a lower unit too didn't know the area too well and then he (laughs) ran Uh, ran over a log or something and then fuck he's like oh it doesn't bother me and i'm under sponsorship they'll give me a new one for the next (laughs) Probably under Skeeter because Skeeter was a big big sponsor for uh, the uh, Bass Pro Series. I think they're pretty much on every tournament out there. So Skeeter and what's and Ranger, I mean, those are the top two out there. I don't. I like I I like Ranger myself. If I if I if, if I had unlimited amount of money, I'd buy a Ranger just because that's like I like how they plane and how they ride. They're very level. They just they're just very well engineered. Skeeter's the same way too, but I find them a little bit too short. You know, I, from for my taste. But then again, I'm sure they make ones that are 17, 20, yep. 22 feet, you know? It's like uh, whenever we end up going to those like outdoor shows or, or boat shows or anything, him and I, we always find ourselves drooling over all the <laughs> the nice bass. What's we were even joking about? Like, what? Well, yeah, listen, if we take out a loan on this, we could. <laughs> yeah, we, could <laughs> we, we could do it, but no, no we probably couldn't. No, yeah, but. No. We could always look at getting in like a '90s Ranger. I mean, though it's yeah. still they're still fantastic. They're still running around that twelve to fifteen thousand, but that's still a lot more reasonable than trying to go out there and buy yourself a sixty thousand dollar boat. Yeah, it was it was funny because all the salesmen were coming up to us like, "Oh, I think about get one." We're like, you know, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. We'll think we're about we're it, thinking you know. about it. What do you? What kind of deals can you cut us? <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for my trust fund to kick in. Give me a moment, guys. <laughs> yeah, think about uh, we're back to the Pike thing. Uh, down in Illinois where I was, uh, my buddy, they don't catch him down there. So in December or January, he came up and we got him on a 42 incher. Yeah. Nice. And that was, that was the biggest fish got we got all year. Video and of that. That was a beaut. That was a brute. <laughs> yeah. He was on his way out and he just heard us screaming and six hands on that pike. Once the, uh, hole, uh the head came through the hole, we, we had to get this thing in. It was a nice pike. That is awesome. I I'm looking for my dad's biggest pike is at 48 inches, and it's like, it's like I just threw it back. It's like, why didn't you get it mounted? Because that's like that's like, dad, you're in your you're in your mid 60s. Like all your friends are dying. It's like you should at least mount one of these bad boys. It's like no. It's like Scott got a 52 inch one, so it's like I'm not gonna mount. He didn't mount his. I'm not mount mine. <laughs> wouldn't have been a wouldn't have been a year of us ice fishing together if uh, if we hadn't pulled a 40 up it seems like the last few years at least you know yeah. you get some type of big fish it could be last year you guys caught that beautiful perch yeah yeah, yeah that was uh that was just, actually a year ago uh i, I saw that like a week ago yesterday or, yeah. it was yesterday okay. um or, or the eighth or whatever um so yeah yesterday that was <laughs> i won't ever forget that one man that was a 14 inch and just over two pounds out uh out in one of our spots that we always seem to hit up and mm-hmm. produces some pretty nice fish. Well, my dad caught a, a 13 inch uh, perch in the middle of summer. It's but it's like it was one of the things where it just literally dropped, must have dropped right on top of its head and just bit it right there and then. 
and we brought, and then we brought it up, man. It's like it's, I couldn't believe how it's like, but walleye or excuse me, perch as they get bigger, they just get real ugly. Yeah, they just get fat. Fat. They don't, they don't get long. They get fat. It's like it's weird. It was funny because we were sitting there, we were marking a fish, and I'm like, I can't get this thing to take. You know, it's not. It has no interest. And Jake just goes he's like well do it really aggressively and i like jokingly looked at him and i was like oh yeah like this and like whip my arm up a few different times and right when that <laughs> that jig sat there for a second there went the rod and standing up trying to pull it up through the uh, the hole and jake just ends up seeing it and like kind of kicking at it and gets it up on the ice and we all lost our minds out there <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's just a funny thing do you guys have anything else you want to say uh, nothing much no. except that you know we're just excited to continue to always be out and uh getting to do what we love in the outdoors and everything and uh springtime provides a lot of good opportunities for you know especially turkey hunting and yeah. fishing and everything take, so take someone out yep get them uh get them acclimated to the outdoors and take them fishing take them hunting whatever they're gonna oh, yeah. love it absolutely that's the big thing right now get someone that doesn't know much about it get them out and show them why we're all so crazy about it yeah get out there guys well, well thank you everybody for tuning in get out there and go out there and enjoy god's creation because you don't know how much longer you're going to be able to enjoy it